0: The Slaughter in May podcast. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, Today, I'm Jane Edward. I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Williams, CEO of Derwent London, and Phil Hobley, a partner and co-chair of London Offices with Knight Frank. Today, we're going to be looking forward post-COVID-19 to a new world and asking ourselves, How will the London office market change and in what ways? And I think we might start, if we can, by looking at how we think occupational demand will change post-Covid. Will corporates, will employers still want an HQ? How much office space will they want? How much flexibility will they want? Paul, how have you seen the changes during Covid and what do you foresee
1: I think, firstly, I think this is an acceleration of things that we were seeing already. You know, flexible working, agile working was starting quite a few years ago. And I think people have worked out that they can work from home, but they've also worked out that actually working from home is very hard work. So for our portfolio, we're seeing a lot of our occupiers wanting to get back. I think in the way they occupy, I think there'll be much more social distancing. I think desk spaces will be, get bigger but it's interesting, if you look at utilisation rates, they're not particularly high. If you look at density levels, they're also not very high. I mean, you know, we design our buildings to one to eight square metres. They're occupied really by about one to 12. And if you look at you look at utilisation, it's sort of 58, 60%. So I think you're going to see more amenity space. You're going to see more big, bigger desks. But actually, I think demand is here to stay for, for a well-designed office. But I think you'll see the emergence of a two-tier market post-COVID a flight for quality and a flight for good space, particularly space that have, has got wellness and also that is green.
0: And Phil, what, what would you contribute in terms of what you know, your, your clients are asking for? Well, do
2: you know what? I, I think the acceleration of themes that, that Paul mentioned at the beginning is key, but I, I'd just like to start actually um, with the word change. You know, what, what's going to change? It's often used in a really negative way. But you know, I've been in the in the industry now for 25 years, and, and you know, change has often come off the back of an uncomfortable market. Um, but it's usually resulted in really positive progress, whether that's in product, in the way uh, occupies use space, uh, or amenity, or the development of place that wasn't really around before. So you know, I'd, I'd sort of almost like to to pitch it as you know, th- there will be a positive that comes out of this probably, as Paul says, in, in the way that the space is utilised, so getting more value from your office space that, that you have. And, and I agree. I, I think that there was a shift already in train away from really dense occupation to much more intelligent, much more flexible use of the office space so that you're giving people the sort of environment that is useful for them to work within for, for different, different roles during during their, either their job or different roles during during a working day. And I think it's about balance as well. You know, the, the old regime of five days a week commuting into the office and long days at the desk, that's not balance, as we all know, and there was a move away from that. But we've all found five days at home enforced is also not a work-life balance, quite the opposite. My family were over the moon to see me return to work, and I was waved off from the front drive, and... And I think we'll see a, a better balance come into people's lives, business, uh in, in every sense. Um which again is probably no bad thing.
1: I call it living at work. That's what I say. You're at home doing ten hours of Zoom calls, you're living at work, you're not you have got a work-life balance, but I think things are changing and they they always due to change.
0: And and when as a developer, Paul, you're you're planning, you know, the, the, the ideals of amenity spaces, etc for your tenants, what are the, the key top things which tenants are, are, are looking for, which they value in, in their office space of the future?
1: I, I think the thing we've been talking about, and we did White Collar Factory back, I think three or four years ago. We've got a project next door, which Phil's helping us with. And it is about adaptability. And we, we held this thing called a tenant forum. I invited some people into lunch and actually a landlord talking to their customer and asking what they wanted was quite an interesting concept. And it all was all about adaptability. People get fed up with dilapidations and obsolescence and things like that. So we we looked. We coined this phrase: "Long life, lose fit." We never thought COVID was coming along, but it's been really useful for us because it meant the space that we've got across our portfolio is easy to change. So it's that adaptability and being able to space out the amenity space. So we we we've looks at our portfolio going forward and our pipeline, thinking, what changes do we need to make? And actually, when we did an independent survey, what we needed to do, very little needs to be changed because it's built into that long life, loose fit, adaptability. I think that's what occupies, well, whether it's adaptability or lease lengths, whether it's core and flex, or whether it's that sort of the type of space they want. I think the old days of landlord knowing best, this is what you must have, uh, and maybe too reliant on the agents, no offense, Phil, um, I think you need to be a bit more nuanced about that and think about what your customer really needs.
0: And, and post-Covid, do you, do you think occupiers will ask for more from the landlords in terms of safety and their, their own health and safety um, and, and ventilation, et cetera? Do you think there's going to be naturally more focus on those areas?
1: I, I think that's a very good point, definitely. I think the age of sort of a sealed building without the ability to have mixed mode, opening the windows, hopefully London's getting cleaner. So I think ability to run your air conditioning without actually recircling dirty air, more amenity space, more roof terraces, more breakout areas, and health and safety, if you look to the way we run our portfolio, what changes we've made for COVID, whether it's screens, whether it's the lifts and things like that. I think as a responsible landlord, you need to do it. And I think, you know, I think people will be looking for that for more. We've done a huge amount of work across our portfolio spoke to every single tenant in the portfolio asking what they needed. And it is the sort of stuff you expect, you know, touchless lifts and automatic doors and automatic faucets and things like that. So you need to design a building that's health and safety, but also green.
0: And what is that sort of increased focus on, on the green agenda? What does that do to, to cost?
1: It's a marginal increase. I mean, white collar actually costs a little bit less, but that's just the way we caught it at the time. I, I You know, you know, obviously, opening a window, having a window that opens is a little bit more expensive than having a sealed facade. But I think, uh, I think reality of life, if a bit more construction costs is pretty de minimis when you think about the extra rent you might get or the shorter period of time it might let, I've got a view that actually greener buildings will be worth more than brown buildings. So there should be a, a greater rent for green buildings in future, maybe a lower yield. So actually... It's a good investment decision, apart from being the right moral decision. We, we've committed to net zero carbon by 2030, something our occupiers are very excited about, but also our investors. So I think it's good business.
0: And Phil, any, any input from, from you on that side?
2: Yeah, I've always found that you tend, shifts tend to happen when there's more than one force applied to it. So you've now got the, the twin forces of legislation on, on carbon um, and obviously investor pressure. And in, in fact, you've even got a growing pressure from, from staff, from the people who occupy this space on, on, their, on their employer, on a, on a landlord. And so I think with those factors, uh, you know, in every company now having to, to have a stated um, you know, target for, for carbon, y- yes, I think that that, that groundswell um, of change is, is undoubtedly coming. Um, a premium for green buildings? I, I think it's going to become, you know, the entry level and you're going to get obsolescence pretty quickly if you're, if you're not at the races. But I think that in tandem with other, other elements of, you know, key elements of design, amenity, good location, part of a, a wider public realm, then yeah, I, I think it will be the, the space of choice for the, you know, the, the, the informed, the intelligent, the, the forward-looking occupier. And we're starting to see that across London. You know, occupiers being drawn to the, the, the most sustainable, the greenest buildings in the market, because it matches their own um, vision and values, or it matches the, uh, the push from their investors that, that they need to meet.
0: Yep. And COVID has perhaps accelerated then that desire for greener buildings and uh, because occupiers are perhaps looking for, for safer space at the, at the same time.
2: Yeah, I think when you look at it in the wider perspective than, than just sustainable, so, so come back to, to wellness, know as Paul said it's all about safety first Um, so you know that that that's the key near-term goal that's all about making staff comfortable and feeling safe about returning to the office and then once that return you know the return to work starts to get into full flow. schools are back we're in September now our offices we've got the busiest day today at at our headquarters we've had through the last uh, what is it now nearly six months isn't it it's about making it a place that staff want to go. So to come back to Paul's point, you want to commute into the office for the experience, for the collaboration, for the time with, um, you know, with your colleagues. You know, it, and it's collaboration. It's also learning. It's the social side of, of business and life that we're all sort of in it for. Um, so so it's all part of that wider mix. But 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 it's certainly the future of the office. You know, there was a, a, a focus on on that in any event and come back to the, I think the, the first point that Paul made on the call was you know we're seeing an acceleration of the trends that were already in place um, because of COVID you know it, it's supercharging them
1: I, I just added to that point Jane I mean I think the, the two words go together health and safety and to, for too long landlords have not thought about the health of their occupiers and so I think that wellness and that yes we've got to keep people say but i think the health and how a building can help and collaborate to those sort of things is really important and that's the sort of thing we're looking at our portfolio you know having our buildings certified for wellness and i think people's health is incredibly
2: important i think the other Thanks thing jane if i may it, the the point that it was nice to hear uh, paul say about the the sort of the, the the town halls that he's been having with his customers talking to them about what you're doing and what and what they're what they're looking for And I think that that I think occupiers are going to be more demanding of the service from the client, they're going to be held more to account as a landlord, and therefore the transparency in that I think is going to be really important as we move forward. Not just because of COVID, but looking at things like the efficient use of the building, controls of lighting, of fresh air quality, security, and safety all of these things. Um, you know, I think that the the transparency around all of that is going to be really key moving forward. And, and technology can really help with that. You know, here we are on our on our call. Uh, I think I'd only done one Zoom call before lockdown started. And now I think I've only done one without it. Um, and so that, I think that the enabler that technology can bring when used productively can be really part of that solution to, you know, to, to connect landlord and tenant, not just through tech, but tech enabling the transparency to come to the fore. Why, maybe
1: we should ban the word landlord and tenant. It's a fairly historic term. Why don't we just call it customers or clients or just actually have a proper relationship? Because actually, our experience of COVID, actually, the more we've collaborated with our occupiers, the more they've collaborated with us. And actually having a connection, having a customer focus is really important. I think it's an acceleration of what we've been doing. I think going forward, that's what our occupiers will want and they need
2: and they deserve.
0: Very good point. i will take that. And do you see, Paul, Phil, do you see lease lengths coming down or more breaks? Or how do you see the sort of structure of the lease changing?
1: Well, again, I think leases have been coming down quite a lot anyway. I think when I started the business a lot longer than earlier than poor old Phil, but, you know, 25 was the norm, right? I mean, i you know, offer our new buildings. We, we get a 15-year lease. That's fine. We do a lot we call core and flex. Where people say may take a substantial amount of space on, say, fifteen-year lease and a have a earlier year break, and I see you'll you'll have more flexibility from within. The, the flexible providers are here to stay. There will be uh, there'll be less of them, and there you know there's probably too many of them at the moment. You know, but tenants want like break clauses, they but rarely trigger them. But uh, I see a bit of flexibility. But for us, you know, just done a renewal in the portfolio, Tenants said he wanted ten-year lease. So he said, actually, can I have a five-year break? We said fine, they reduce their rent free. So actually, you just gotta offer a whole menu of different lease lengths. For some tenants they want a nice long lease, for others they want shorter leases, and for some tenants or our customers they want a combination of both. And I suspect that is really the future.
0: And if as you say, you know, going forward there's likely to be a menu of, you know, flexible products out there for, for, for customers, I should say, rather than tenants to to select from. How, Phil, does the investment market sort of respond to valuing that breadth of product? Um, how do you think London will fare as a global product with, with so many sort of varieties a, a around the theme?
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know does London lose a bit of USP if it loses the long lease, which, which is quite unique to, to the UK market? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a change that has been happening in the market anyway. And if you look at the yield profile across London, mid-threes mid on the West End, mid-fours in the city, it actually already looks like good value compared to continental Europe. Continental Europe, particularly France, you know, they're working on a 3.69 lease term model anyway. Uh, on on keener yields, so I don't think no, I don't think it does. Uh, is it a change? Yes. Does it does London lose its um, its USP uh, and its appeal for global investors? Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I think that um, if you look at it on a global perspective, you're looking at a number of things and reaching out across our global network, working with all, all of our teams a, a, across the globe in our gateway cities. You realise London actually, from a product perspective has, you know, globally leading product that's delivered by by, by the, the, the developers like like Derwent. So it's product which is next generation, it's product which is appealing to occupiers, which, you know, we've got incredibly low void, so half the Derwent pipeline's already pre-leased. Um, so, no, I don't think it it impacts London's global appeal for investors. Um, you know, it's, it's fundamentals of, um for, for investment as a safe haven still there to stay
0: and maybe that word safe haven is is key you know it it, it could be even safer in a world seeking safety
1: well, i think the establishment of the rule of law the language the time of day that safe haven is interesting to see there's still international money wanting to come into into london you know i saw an investment sold recently 4%. Uh, I Apparently it's, it was bought by Singapore Money. They haven't even seen it yet. They bought They did it online. They spent X hundred million quid online, which is maybe the way of doing things for the future. So I, I see London as a safe haven. And, and going back to your point about yields, reality is a, a multi-let building to have some easy of short-term ability to have some co-working within the building offers a bit of breathing space for other occupiers they in. I know that the yields are going to If you have a single-let building to a poor covenant, which short leases and clearly that would affect the value.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and looking forward, then what would your top predictions be for the for the future? What what are we going to see, and, and what do we need to look out for in the next twelve eighteen months post COVID and beyond? Hopefully.
1: Uh, I think I think climate change will become really hard on the agenda. I think there will be big demands to make sure people commit to net zero carbon. I think wellness from an office point of view will go up the agenda uh, dramatically. I think, going back to my point I made earlier, I think health will be a critical issue and tenants and occupiers and customers will be looking at the buildings. Does that building fit for for my my staff? It's interesting to see that decisions for new space is still made by HR, not by CFO, not even by CEOs. It's made by you know, people who, who are actually occupying the space, so we're going to... But uh, as as Phil said earlier, change happens. They're always triggering. You know, I think it's difficult to make predictions apart from things will change, but London will remain a global city, a great city, and people will be attracted to it.
0: And Phil?
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Uh, you know, I, I think that we, you know, it will bring through positive change into the market. I, I think that the the focus on, on well being was key anyway, but, but will absolutely be fundamental. And, and you're right, Paul, to say, you know, it's HR um, executives that, that we are spending a lot of time with on tours in discussions on, on acquiring new space. Uh, and, and their focus is on staff. You know, and it, it goes further than just well being, it's also, uh, I think, migrating towards that sort of lifelong learning. And, and so, bringing education into the workplace, so that people have more, you know, enriched personal development experiences and an enriched um, career development, you know, w- within that within that working environment. So, I think that you know, the office absolutely has a future. That the death of the office articles that, that the press have been keen to write for years, I think, is completely overplayed. Will it bring change? Yes. Is that a bad thing? No. I don't think so at all. Um, and, and I think you're, you're, to, to Paul's point quite rightly made earlier, you're going to see an increase in the collaboration and partnering um, you know between customer and, and developer so that you're getting product that, that works for the business and, and and the needs of that business relative to you know the culture, their brand and, and the staff that they're looking to you know to host and keep safe and keep productive within, within that envelope.
0: Well, thank you challenging future, no doubt, but an exciting one as well as the market responds in terms of product and becomes, as you say, Paul, even more necessarily customer focused. So thank you both very much for your views today. Very welcome. And thanks again. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.